Can you catch this? Or match this? Check this direct to your spinal axis. All right, well, this is what we did. We asked our listeners to come in and tell their stories. The point of it was to capture their perspectives from their deployments or other life experience and share those with their other peers who are listening to catch this. There were no constraints other than the basic ground rules. One, we wanted to keep it relevant to our listeners as developing medical officers. Two, no OPSEC violations. And three, they were instructed to keep it real. Well, now it's time for our storyteller to step into the machine. From inside the machine, I'm Nicole Beam, and my story is about the difficulties in practicing shipboard medicine. This story starts in the summer of 2004 when I reported to my first ship in San Diego. I've spent eight years of active duty before coming to USIS as a surface warfare officer. For non-Navy people, that means your standard ship-going officer, what you think when you think Navy officer. I've been on two different types of ships in my time in the Navy. The problem that I've seen both of those tours is the hardship that doctors have turning hospital medicine into shipboard medicine. It's not the office-based hospital environment that we're all trained to. It doesn't matter where you go to med school. It doesn't matter if you go to USIS, which is a military school. We're trained to do office medicine and hospital-based medicine. So when you come to the ship, you put this construct of hospital medicine that you've learned to practice and try to fit it to the ship. But now, instead of your patients coming to you, you've really gone to them. So the trouble I've seen is those docs trying to fit into the community they're in now and learn how to change their practice and how they see patients to fit into the ship's schedule and the ship's culture. My jobs on both of those ships, I was division officer, which no matter what department I worked in, I'm in charge of anywhere from 15 to 60 people in different departments. Your first job of any given day is we would have quarters within the division. Quarters is basically a mini staff meeting. So this quarters is my time to talk to my 15 guys or so about what our priorities are. Maybe we don't have anything big going on. Maybe we just have our standard maintenance and maybe some divisional training. But that's when we decided what we're doing, what teams are doing what. Normally only lasts five to 10 minutes, but it's probably my only time during the day that I'm going to have eyes on all of them at one time. So this is the time that announcements get put out. It's an important 10 minutes of the day. The standard problem that I would see between the division and our medical staff is that medical corps would always put their sick call at the exact same time quarters is. So my guys come in sick for the day. Maybe they need to go see doc about a cold that they have or a flu that won't go away or they're not feeling well. And the time that medical sets up to go see them is between 08 and 09 in the morning. And I know this sounds like a good idea because that's first thing in the morning. That's not first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning was at 6.30 or 7. So 8 to 9, where medical says, come see me if you're sick, is also the time that I have to talk to my guys. That one 15-minute spot of the day where I'm actually going to have them all in one place at one time. So when I have my two or three people missing because they're at sick call, it's always during that most important point of the time. And the division officers and the department heads, we would get frustrated with the med guys because they truly didn't understand 
why this was a problem. From their standpoint, which I understand, they want to see their patients first thing in the morning. If there's anything wrong with them, they can send them out to you know the hospital if it's really serious, or they can get their meds or write their orders or see them throughout the day. Absolutely understand that. The problem the division officers and the department heads, the problem we had with it is that any other 15-minute slot of the day would have been better than the 15-minute slot they were at. This is a common disconnect. It's been on every ship I've been on, and it's a constant in the Navy. It's just one of those daily disconnects between the best way division officers see to do their job and the best way medical sees to do their job. Just a small cultural difference that would have gone a long way to easing the frustration of both parties. The other example of trying to put office-based medicine into a shipboard environment is I was the assistant navigator on board the LHA, so the bigger of the two ships. I had a QM, quartermaster. They're the navigators of the ship. They're the guys that are plotting with a pencil, still on paper charts, just like old school Navy. It's two o'clock in the morning. My plotter was up there doing her job, and she got truly, truly sick. Lots of vomiting, lots of running to the restroom, not being able to stand or watch because she was so sick. So she calls me, wake up, go get one of my other guys to relieve her, and she goes down to medical. It's probably zero two in the morning. She goes to medical and knocks on medical department's door and wakes up the corpsman who's on duty tells that corpsman what's going on, and the corpsman's answer to her is, come back at 08 for sick call. My QM goes back to her rack for 30 minutes or so and keeps getting up to puke, not making it well through the night. She calls me and tells me, hey, ma'am, I went to medical. They told me to come back at 08. I feel horrible. I really, really want to get seen now. What can you do? Keep in mind, this whole situation is happening when we're underway. We're out to sea. There's nowhere to go. There's no ER that we can send her. We can't even see the beach from where we are. We're in blue water ocean. There's nothing around. On top of no ER to send my QM to, it also means that the two doctors and the 30 or so corpsmen that we have on board are all on board. They're all... 30-second walk away from seeing my person. And yes, I know it's 02 in the morning, and I don't like to be awake then either, but all somebody has to do is see her. So I tell my QM2 to stand by, and I call one of the doctors, the junior of the two doctors we had on board. So even when talking to her, I thought I would have an easier time getting her to either have her corpsman see my QM2 or to wake up and come see my QM2 herself. It only takes five seconds to put on a pair of coveralls and walk outside your stateroom and see my girl and give her something to help her stop vomiting so she can actually get some sleep. But it takes 15 minutes of cajoling this doc to get up and just take a look at my person. And I know it's early and I know she doesn't have to be awake and I know there's sick call at 08. What the docs coming into this don't understand is that unlike clinic medicine, where if you're on call and you get a call in the middle of the night and you think somebody's yes, they're sick, but you can see them at 08, you say, come in at 08, we'll see you first thing in the morning. That sort of mentality is completely different from what the shipboard mentality of 24-7 operations is. So the shipboard QM2 truly doesn't understand the mentality of waiting till 08 in the morning if Doc is right there and can get up right now and see me. And this sort of just cultural difference causes a lot of frustration between the two groups on board the ship sometimes. The most egregious example I've ever seen of the disconnect between hospital medicine and shipboard medicine happened in 2008 when my ship had just returned from a deployment. 
right after you return from deployment, the ship schedule goes into something we call POM, it's post overseas movement leave. So it's a month of very little work going on in the ship, skeleton crew only, where all the crew gets to take leave in two week blocks. This particular POM period was after a nine-month deployment, so most of the ship is gone. If you're not on duty, you're not coming into work because you're either on leave or enjoying liberty with your family. So this POM period after deployment is some of the best part of sea duty because you've got a couple weeks of protected leave time, but it can also be some of the most emotional because after nine months of not seeing your family, you're back in your family setting, you're dealing with all the emotions that go with not being there for nine months. Maybe your kids haven't seen you the whole time. It is not unusual to have a lot of family conflict during this period right after deployment. So over the weekend, one of our best and brightest junior sailors is having suicidal thoughts and him and his wife do exactly what they're supposed to do. And they go to the local military treatment facility to the ER and tell the ER that I'm suicidal. I'm having these suicidal thoughts. I need help. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He did everything right. So the ER does exactly what they're supposed to do. And they talk to him, decide that this is real suicidal ideations. This is a concern. And so they have psychiatry on call that day. Talk to him. They talk to him. They get him to a relatively stable standpoint, decide he doesn't need admitted. And he has an appointment at zero eight on Monday morning to come back and get seen exactly what they're supposed to do. So the next day after his ER visit, that same sailor has an import watch on the ship. Import watches are mostly comprised of security watches where you have a handful of roving armed security watches throughout the ship, making sure everything's as it should be. So this sailor comes on board and he has his normal watch. He's a good sailor. He's always been one of our best and brightest. He goes to the armory, he gets his M16, and he commences his watch. Every 30 minutes, all the rovers are supposed to check in just to say, hey, I'm in this part of the ship. I looked at it. Everything's secure. I'm going over here. 30 minutes roll around, and he hasn't checked in. Not a big deal. Sometimes people miss their check-in, so we start calling him on the radio. Can't get a hold of him. Still not concerned, because sometimes you just turn your radio off on accident. Sometimes you're in a weird part of the ship that doesn't get signaled. That's fine. So we send one of the other security watches to go find him. What they call back to the quarter deck is man down on the forecastle. Man down means anything from somebody sprained their ankle and needs help getting to medical to there's blood all over and I don't know what happens. So call a man down on the forecastle. So the medical team runs up to the forecastle to see what the man down is. And what they find is that sailor has shot himself in the head with the M16 that we gave him for his watch. So the sailor on Saturday knew he was having suicidal thoughts, went to the hospital like he was supposed to. ER treated him like they were supposed to. Psychiatry saw him how they were supposed to. He had a follow-up appointment for Monday just how they were supposed to. But the piece that was missing is even though that hospital was seeing him, they didn't call the ship. So nobody took that final step of calling the ship and saying, this sailor doesn't need to stand duty on Sunday. And just not making that one phone call killed the sailor. All of these situations aren't the sort of situation you think about in medical school. Everybody was practicing medicine fine. It's the how to deliver care in a military environment that sometimes gets lost. I think the best thing we can all do in practicing our medicine is remembering the culture that we're practicing in and realizing that sometimes our clinic-based medicine and our hospital-based medicine isn't always going to be the right fit for the culture we're practicing in. 
we need to keep that culture in mind to deliver the best care for our patients. And from inside the machine, I'm Nicole Beam. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This podcast was released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial share-like license. Some rights are reserved. For more information, check out creativecommons.org. The opinions and assertions contained in this podcast are the private opinions of the authors, hosts, and guests and are not to be construed as official or reflecting the views of the Department of Defense or the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences. For more information on Catch This, check out our website at www.catch-this.net. Hey, if you like our title song, it's called Mic Check by Nature. Check out Free Music Archive online for more great Creative Commons music.